and I picked this title, taking it out of John chapter 2, because the scripture tells, tells us what Jesus did. The first miracle that Jesus did, that's where I'm going to be staying on in this message today. It says in John chapter 2 verse 11, this beginning of signs or miracles did Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. This was the very first miracle that Jesus did. Turning water into wine. We know the story. That was the very first miracle Jesus did. This was before he preached the first sermon. He did a miracle first before he preached his first sermon. And his first miracle was really not for anything but to help somebody in need. That was his first miracle. His miracle was, the, that particular miracle was designed just to help a family, a couple that was getting married to save them from embarrassment. Serious embarrassment. Jesus performed his first miracle. Now I'm telling you this. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in our lives from time to time, situations come to us. That could cause us serious embarrassment, pain, disgrace, shame. But with Jesus, it's not too great for him to bypass the normal schedule for his, the beginning of his work just to save a family from embarrassment. That's why he came to help us. He was revealing God to us. God would do anything. Jesus told his mother, it's not my time. But they are in need. It wasn't God's time. But there was a family that's going to be embarrassed. God bypassed everything. You're sitting here this morning, no matter what you're going through, you can go to Jesus and he'll help you. But look at what he says. He says, this was the first miracle that Jesus did and he manifested his glory. Miracles is a, a manifestation of God's glory. God doesn't do glory and miracles just to show, I can do it. No, it is really a manifestation of his glory. And whenever his glory is revealed, you believe. You believe. That's why we need more miracles. Amen. We need miracles. Notice, this wasn't a healing miracle. It was a different kind of miracle. Every miracle reveals His glory. God is glorified. And His disciples believe. This was the first one. And Jesus, at this point, He only had, you know how many disciples? Five. Just five of them. I got it right, Pastor Al. I didn't say five. <laughs> He was watching me real closely. <laughs> I got it right this time. He had just five. 
disciples at this time. And they had never seen a miracle. They had heard John preach. They knew John was from God. They saw Jesus, possibly some of them saw Jesus baptized. They were sure. But John had introduced Jesus. That's the Messiah. And they left John and they followed him. But they had not seen anything. They were going by faith. Just trusting in what John has said. But here, Jesus gave them a sign. Just a revelation of who he really was. They saw his glory and he settled it in your heart. May God reveal himself to you in an unusual way in Jesus' name. That's my prayer. Let him reveal himself. Because until God reveals himself to you, you'll never believe. You'll never believe. And, and he's willing to do that. If you really want to know, he's willing to do that. He did that for me. I saw in my own life, God made it, I was so slow, but I saw God free people from demons. And after I saw that, I thought, oh my goodness, this Bible stuff about demons is not just uh, a fiction of man's imagination. This thing is real. To hear a demon speaking through a person, that little kid, I was like, what? This thing is real? Demon do speak just like it says in the Bible. And I said, God, I need your help right now. I want to follow you. When this miracle is revealed, you want to follow him. Amen? Jesus came to reveal who God is. From the very beginning, Satan is lying a lot about God. And he's still lying to people about God and eternity. He's still doing the same thing today. And many have believed in his lies. They have all kinds of reasons why they won't go to church. They'll tell you, I don't go to church because hypocrites are in church. Well, show me one. They don't know. They hear everybody saying it, and so they believe it. The church is a hospital. The people in church didn't go to church because they feel better than everybody else. Every, they felt, I need God. I'm a sinner. And so they went to the great physician to heal them. Meanwhile, you have the same problem. You're out there and you're pointing. You're sick as they are in church asking God for help. And some of them are getting well, but you're still sick. You are sick as they are. And then you're pointing your finger to them. Oh, look at those hypocrites in church trying to get well. When you are still sick. And you haven't found the hospital yet. So that's the issue here. Jesus came to reveal who God is. Satan is always lied about God. He said in the Garden of Eden, did God say you shouldn't eat? You know the story. The woman said, yeah, God said not to eat. Don't even touch it. And, and Satan says, oh, he said, if you, if you eat it, you will surely die. And Satan said, you shall not surely die. So God is a liar now. God said you will die. But he says, you will not surely die. And he said, because God knows that the day you eat of this fruit, you will become like God, knowing good and evil. But knowing good and evil, that's where we are right now. You see, we're in trouble now because they listen to that. Satan is always lying. It's like God has abandoned me. Why is God? If there is a God in the world. Why is he, not, why is he allowing all of this stuff? That's what we hear. But Jesus came to reveal who God really is. 
He came to reveal that to us. I was reading in the scripture just to tell us who the heart of our God. Jesus in John chapter, I mean Matthew chapter 14, from beginning from verse 13. Jesus had just heard a word that his cousin, John the Baptist, his cousin had been beheaded. He was a man just like us. Many times we forget. He was God in human flesh. He was a real man. That's why Jesus said, I am the son of man. Meaning, I am a man. In the Jewish language, son of man means a man. Son of God means God. That's the way they heard it. If you say, I'm a son of man, you're saying you are a man. If you say you're son of God, you're saying you are God. And that's why they wanted to stone him. But he was a real man. When he came to our earth, he came as a real man. And when he heard that his, his cousin had been beheaded, Jesus felt the pain. He said, the Bible said, he left the multitudes at this point and went into a deserted place to be by himself, to reflect on what had just happened. He was in pain. He was in pain. This was a man, he, he knew him well. The man that introduced him to Israel. He had been beheaded. And Jesus was going to be here. They can't talk to one another anymore. When he was in prison, Jesus couldn't even go to him. That was God himself. Now Jesus was in pain. And then in the wilderness, he was there reflecting on what was happening. And then when he turned around, he saw the multitudes. They, had, they found out where he had been. And they all poured in, bringing their sick to him. His heart was still hurting, but he was looking out more for their good. Instead of his own pain. And he says in verse 14, Matthew 14 verse 14, when he saw the multitude, he had compassion on them. He was moved with compassion. He saw their sick and the pain that they were going. And even in his own pain, he reached out. He healed their sick. Every one of them. That was an amazing thing. I'm sure there was a lot of joy in the place. All of them rejoicing because their family member has been healed. But Jesus... He was still going through pain in there. His cousin is no longer around. Can you see? It was a good place to be in. The very presence of God was such a good place to be in. They wanted to be around. And they forgot that they hadn't eaten. The whole multitude forgot. When you are in God's presence, food doesn't matter. Amen? That's why it's good to go to heaven. It's going to be a glorious place. They have to remind you, you know, you haven't eaten. <laughs> because you're having so much fun. They forgot. But who was thinking about their needs? It was Jesus thinking. He was the one thinking. He says, hey, they've been with me this long. I don't want them to go home hungry. I'll take care of their needs. He not only healed them. He was taking care of their own needs as well. When you have the beginning of miracles, that means every time there is first, there's going to be second, right? It's not going to end there, right? It's just the beginning of miracles. Can I hear an amen? <coughs> God just started. When there is a beginning, we got to have an ending. And Jesus is still the same. Miracles have no seeds. Even though some preachers say it has, but uh, they're lying. <laughs> God's still doing miracles. God's 
first, there's going to be second. It's the beginning of miracles. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Until the world ends, he's still doing miracles. And in my mind, as I studied, my mind is made up. I want to see miracles. I want to see miracles. Thank God, after our fasting, we're going to be having a healing service. Oh, I saw healings in Nigeria. I mean, it was just all over. It was constant. In one service, I don't know if there was anybody that wasn't healed. You remember, Linda? It was hard to find a person that wasn't healed. And so I want to see it. Because it amazes people. I, I remember this little deaf boy, as the whole congregation was, they were watching they told me clearly he's, he's totally deaf. And as I started praying, I can't do this nap real well. <laughs> and some of us with us, we, we saw that. I did it real quietly, and uh, he responded by shaking his head. He could hear, and everybody was happy. That was God manifesting his glory. You can't deny God. Jesus came to show us who God is. In John chapter 8, there was a woman that was brought to him. And everybody wanted to kill that woman. Because she had committed adultery. Jesus didn't tolerate what she had done. But he came to show us who God is. God won't just destroy you because you've done something wrong. He'll forgive you. He'll heal you. They, they wanted to stone the woman. And Jesus said, the one among you who has not sinned. <laughs> Uh, let him throw the first stone. And uh, starting from the old men that have accumulated a lot of sins, they knew this is not going to be good for us. They started leaving. And Jesus wasn't paying any attention. Afterwards, he rose up and sa- he saw the woman by herself. And he said, no one condemn you, woman. And she said, no. They all left. They dropped their rocks and they left. I don't know who was whipping them, but something was whipping their conscience real bad. And said, I can't do this. I guess a guy goes like, mm, and his friend said, you can't do that. I remember what you were doing the other day. Put it down. That's my imagination, okay? But they all dropped their rocks and left. And Jesus embraced the woman. They didn't tolerate the sin. He said to her, woman, I do not condemn you either. You're not condemned. But don't do it again. Amen? Go and sin no more. He came to reveal who God is. And in John 14, chapter 14, beginning in verse 7, Jesus made this statement. He said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you know him. And you've seen him. If you see Jesus, that's the Father. He never did anything wrong to a human being. He came in our own flesh, just like us. He won't condemn you. He came to help us. Amen? He came to help us. You have any need? He came to help. He came to help us. That's why I'm glad I have a helper in Jesus Christ. He's always with me. Not perfect, but he's there with me. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's always there with me. 
That's why I want to serve him. That's why people love him. Because while your heart condemns you for doing something wrong, before long, he's telling you, son, that's okay. Just let me get a little closer. Amen? And those things will wither away. We can love him. He came to demonstrate the power of God. And we know that. To show us who God is. He came to demonstrate God's power. And not for himself, but for, on our behalf. For you and I. All he's asking for me till today is to say, yes, God, I want to be on your side. That's all. He, David said, you're blessed when God doesn't count your sin against you. It's as if you never sinned. That's the best gift. As if you've never done anything wrong. I can be in the presence of God as if I've never done anything wrong. But that presence, the fiery presence of God now washes you so that you don't even want to go back to that stuff. You're free. He came to show us the power. We know he raised Lazarus from the dead to show his God. The man said, we've never heard this before. Since the world began, John chapter 9, since the world began, it's never been heard that a man opened the eyes of a man that was born blind. That's what he said. He came to reveal to us who God is. That God is so powerful, there's nothing he cannot do. But not for himself, but for us. The beginning of miracles that same, more on the way. Amen? Can I, can I hear you say that? More on the way for me. Amen? You need a miracle? He's going to do that for you. God doesn't have individuals that are more special to him than others. No. Everyone is special to him. If you wear flesh, you're special. Amen? Because that's what he came into our world with. Flesh. He identified with us. And if flesh, if he comes out of your mouth towards him, he's going to answer. That's why we know God is good. He healed that man. Did so many miracles on the earth just to reveal to us that he is God. Walked on water. We know about that. But I want to go back to the sign. Don't have too much time. But I want to go back to the first miracle that he did. Jesus had been invited to this wedding. He had been invited to this wedding. It tells us in John chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. That's Mary was in that wedding. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. They have no wine. Now, it's always, let me put it this way, wine in the New Testament is, represents life. Life. And I will, I'll show you what that is. 
wine represents life. It's always good to have Jesus near you as you run your life. You might run out of wine and you need him. He was invited to be with them. He was invited to be part of what was going on. Second thing is, who went to Jesus for the miracle? Mary. <laughs> it's always good to find friends who can pray. Amen? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> find, make sure you have friends that can pray. <laughs> because you don't know when trouble will come your way, okay? Find somebody who can get a hold of Jesus on your behalf. That's why we call people, hey, pray for me. And I see Paul saying, pray for me. That's the Apostle Paul. Uh, Church, please pray for Angel and I. We need your prayer. Prayer is powerful. You need to have him near. So when you, have, when you run out of wine, you can have new wine. Amen? It's important. You need to have him near. Invite Jesus to be a part of your life. Don't make any plan without him. In your planning, let him be present. As you feast, let him be a part of your feasting. You might run out of wine. You might need him. And he's the only one that can supply you with life. We need that. We need Jesus. Let me share these scriptures with you about wine. Mark chapter 2, verse 22. And no one puts new wine into old wineskin, or else the new wine bursts, the wineskin, the wine is spilled, and the wineskin is ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskin. So what's Jesus talking about wineskin? The wineskin, that's us. The new wine is life. Jesus said you must be born again for the new wine to be put in you. That's the power of creation. It's called the Holy Spirit. You can't put the Holy Spirit in a person who is not saved. That's not a new wine skin. A burst. You must be born again. You can't be holy on your own. Only Jesus can make you a new creature. You call on him, he'll make you new. Somebody can pray for you, just like Mary prayed for this family, but you need him to give you the new wine and the new wine skin. Let me show you something. In Luke chapter 5 verse 39 it says, And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new. He says, uh, the old is better. You know what that means? If you don't know Jesus, you think you are really living. You think you're really having real life. You don't want anything new because it's just, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm well, like my wife said, I have wealth, I have houses, I have all of these things. You don't desire, but the thing you don't know is you are an old wineskin. No, no, <laughs> and you need a new wineskin. Okay. 
You need Jesus. You need Jesus to fill your life. And you need him around so that when you drink out of that wine and it's getting low, you can fill it up. Amen? You understanding what I'm saying? I know you can. That's the way it's supposed to be. We need Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He came to bless us. He came to empty himself upon us. He is the blessing from God to our life. And today is asking us to come and to, to come to him so he can be a part of our life. Um, you can go into that story. I don't have enough time. But there was, again, they needed wine and then they have these pots. Uh, stone pots, clay pots. Again, that's me. And you have to be empty, amen? You pour in the water, and then God brings something new out of that. He gives you the best. Until you taste the new wine, you won't know that the one that you've been tasting is not that good. <laughs> That's what's wrong with people that have not accepted Christ. They don't know what we enjoy in Him. I know when Jesus came into my life, it was, it, it, everything was so new in my eyes. There was so much joy inside of me. I mean, everybody was, oh, they all look so good. The flowers look good. I never noticed flowers before. Everything was so good. Everybody was a good person. I mean, that's the way it was. It was a joyous thing. It's like wine. And somebody says, uh, uh, should I, do you need some beer? I says, no, am I suffering? Only suffering people drink beer. I got my own wine inside. This wine, it doesn't go out. It's always there. So we need him in our life. It would be well with us if we always heed what Mary had to, has to say. Amen? And I'm going to close with that. This is the book of God. This is the manual for life. God has a lot to say about life. Every area of life. Your finances your marriage, your children, everything. Retirement, life after death, everything. Everything is here. God tells you what to do. It's really up to you. We'll be doing so well if we listen to Mary. I like to tell that to the Catholics. Listen to what Mary has to say. Now listen, this is what he says. Because they like to listen to Mary. Well, then I listen. It says in John chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, it says, Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. She ignored him. And this is what she said. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. And you'll be okay. Amen? Whatever he says to you, even if it doesn't make sense to you, do it. And you'll be okay. Think about it. He's tell, they're looking for wine. And he's telling these individuals to go and fetch water and put in that pot. But they had heard his mother say, whatever he tells you, do it. And he says, now take that thing and go and give it to the guy for wine. 
I think for me, I'll take that wine. I'll be looking at it. Is it wine yet? Is it wine yet? I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> Am I going to do this? I, I fetched that water, and then I gave it to that fellow, and he's tasting the as he's taking it, he's tasting it. I'm thinking, oh my God, it better be wine. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you see the guy smile. Wow. And I'm thinking, hey, really? He said, where did you get this stuff from? <laughs> so, uh, we got it from the well. You're crazy? No. <laughs> but that's how Jesus is. He will turn your life around. Amen? He's here today and wants to touch our lives. He loves us dearly. <coughs> Excuse me. He came for you. You as an individual. That's my joy. I don't exclude myself from his love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God wants to give you life. Eternal life. Eternal life. So you live with God forever. Amen? Bow your heads with me today. Today, you are here before God and Jesus is here with us. And you want Christ to take a hold of your life. Maybe you made a commitment to Him before But today, you want to really, really give everything to Him. You know, the Bible says, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of ram. There is a thing called stubbornness. God forbid that that's where you are. He says it's at the sin of witchcraft. Today, we can turn to our God and make a commitment to Him. If you've never made a commitment to Christ today, God himself, the God of heaven, is giving you that privilege to do that. Maybe you made a commitment before, but you want to extend that commitment to God. You want to renew that commitment to God. You can do that today. All you have to do is lift up your hand. Forget the preacher talking to you. Jesus is here today. And Jesus is speaking to you. I represent him. Look past me. Look to him. He's asking you to come to him. All eyes closed, all heads bowed, please. Before God, let's reverence him. You want to make that decision? At the count of three, please put your hand up towards God. Telling him, God, I'm, I'm ready. One, two, three. Put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you. I think because this is the last Sunday of the year, we should all dedicate ourselves to him. I need him. Even this morning, I cried out to him, God, take all of me, please. If there is anything in the way, anything in the way, please, I don't want it. I just want all of you. I need you, God. I can't do it without you. I need your help. Everyone stand up with me this morning. We need Jesus, every one of us. 
very often in Africa, I had to remind the people. Sometimes you go to church and you see people lift up their hands. And you wonder, what's that for? Isaiah chapter 1 says, when you lift up your hands, God will look towards you immediately. The reason I know that, it says, I'll turn away because your hands fill with blood. That's violence. But today, when we have received Jesus, your hands still have blood. That's the blood of Jesus. When you lift those hands up, that's why Paul says, lifting up holy hands, I will that I wish that all men, I will that all men everywhere lift up holy hands without fear or doubting. Because when you lift up your hand, God says, Okay, what do you want, son? What do you want, daughter? That's why we lift our hands. Not to show we are holy, amen. Just to show we love God, amen, and we want his attention. Why don't you lift your hands up this morning and commit your life to him? Tell him, God, I'm coming, I'm giving everything to you. Take all of me. Take all of me. Transform my life. Pour in your new wine. Pour in your new wine into my life. I will serve you, God. Tell him that. I will serve you. Enable me to serve you. In all righteousness and the righteousnesses of you, Lord God. Thank you. Come into my life. Come into my life. Take every part of me. Help me to dedicate myself fully to your service without holding back. Thank you, Father, for your love. Thank you, Father, for your love. Say that with me. Thank you, Father, for your love. Say it with me. I dedicate myself to your service. I give myself wholly to you. Thank you, Father. I receive your Son as my Lord and my Savior forever and ever in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's put our hands together. Give him a clap, offering. He is a wonderful God.